What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Call It a Comeback podcast. My name is Bobby McInnes, alongside my co-host, Thomas Ballone. Tom, it's great to have you back, man. On the last episode, we missed you. Uh, you were at the Yankee-Red Sox wildcard game. Although it wasn't the outcome you wanted, it must have been a great experience. Yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, a little little upset with how the Yankee season ended. Um, it was a really sick game to go to. Um, not the result I wanted, but uh, I know Colin Nozick, who's with us here, I think he's pretty happy with what happened. Yeah, very happy to have our guest Colin Nozick back for his second episode this season with us. Colin, how are you doing today? I am wonderful, Bob. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Glad to have you back, Colin. I know you're going to be pretty excited coming off that Red Sox win. Uh, th- can't get too high on the highs because still have the Rays coming up in this next ALDS series, and now they're a scary baseball team. So thankful for what we have, but uh, got to focus and move on. Yeah, big win against the Yankees. Obviously, you can be excited. It's all right to show it a little bit. Uh, Tom, where were you sitting in that game? Yeah, so we had right field seats. We were kind of walking around the, the most of the game, though, just, just seeing if, if there were some empty seats in, like, foul territory. But uh, it was pretty really cool atmosphere to go to. Yeah, was that your first time at Fenway? It's actually my second second time at Fenway. The, the, the place was absolutely packed. Yeah, that train ride back must have been pretty brutal, though, the next morning. Yeah, took a, took a nap. Tried. I actually woke up. I thought it was a nightmare, but uh, it wasn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, too bad it wasn't, right? Um, and nonetheless, Yankees, they had a pretty up-and-down season. Like, my... my Myself included, I pretty much thought that, um, you know, one game, it's going to be tough for the Yankees to go out there and uh, beat the Red Sox. But they were favored to win. Obviously, you expect that when they have Garrett Cole on the mound. Does it make you a little nervous that he wasn't able to get the job done? You pay the man $324 million, and, you know, in the biggest game of the season, he can't come through. Yeah, honestly, I've said it all year, but Garrett Cole is, is just gives up too many homers. I mean, uh, we saw in the first inning against the Red Sox, he left a fat pitch right there for Bogarts, and he just took him straight to dead center. Um, he's really got to work on his stuff in this offseason. He, he had a good year, but it's not the, the kind of year that we expected, especially the playoff performance all Yankees fans expected. But, uh, yeah, the, the loss was definitely stinging, but uh, it's not as as bad as the last few years, honestly. I, I felt a little worse in 2017, 2019, even last year. We made it to the LDS, lost. Uh, this year, this team was so inconsistent. 13-game uh, winning streaks, and then they'd go on to lose nine of their next 11 games. So um, I wasn't totally heartbroken about the loss because um, they've been an inconsistent team all year. But uh, I, I'm excited to see this Boston-Tampa series, uh, two rivals. Uh, Tampa's playing great baseball, and Boston's bats look, look pretty solid. So. Yeah, Colin, what did you see from the Red Sox against the Yankees that you'd like to see them continue into this next series against Tampa? I really thought they were able to capitalize on mistakes, defense and offensively. I mean, that was an 89-mile-an-hour changeup that Xander Bogarts got put on a silver platter for him, and he did not miss it. Cole does not miss very often, and when he does, you have to make him pay, and they were able to do that, which was very fortunate for them. And defensively, Aaron Judge getting sent home in the uh, the fifth inning there when it was only one out. That was a big mistake by the Yankees, but a great relay throw from Bogarts, and they were able to capitalize when the Yankees did make those mistakes, so it was good to see that. Yeah, stringing together hits definitely um, was a big deal in that last game, and I kind of like the pitchers that uh, the Red Sox have in this first two games in Tampa. Eduardo Rodriguez is a pretty good pitcher. Um, he, I would say this not as good as previous seasons, but obviously Chris Sale is a you know a nice lefty arm to have in the rotation. Um, so what are your predictions coming into this series for the Red Sox? I think their predictions are that more of a hope they got to get six innings from their starters because I have not felt confident in this bullpen one bit coming down the final stretch. And I know that Rodriguez has had a tough stretch at some point this year. 
Chris Hale obviously coming off Tommy John. It could be tough for him to push his body, but they're going to need it because that bullpen is the liability and the Rays bullpen simply isn't. If you fall behind them, they will lock you down. So, Yeah, for me, I kind of I see the Rays winning this one pretty easy. Um, honestly, the, I think they could do it in three. Tom, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, the easy answer is going to be the Tampa Bay Rays. That's, I'm going to say Rays in four, but, I mean, if Bo- you really can't count Boston out. I mean, their bats, um, their lineup's solid. I think th- the Rays have a lot of no-name pitchers in their pen and in their starting rotation that just perform. Like uh, a guy who's starting tonight for them, Shane McClanahan. I mean, you ask any MLB follower who's Shane McClanahan, they probably won't be able to tell you who he is, honestly, but he's going to go out there and give them probably five uh, good innings. And their pen has a lot of... Just, they just have guys that perform, so that's why I like the Rays right now, but um, definitely wouldn't count Boston out, uh, especially with Sale going in game two. Um, he's When Sale's on, he's one of the best pitchers in the league. So um, I'm really excited for this series, but uh, I do agree with Nozick where you need to get lean from your starters. Um, their pen is, has been a little shaky, so that's going to that's gonna be big. I think you want to see like six solid innings from Erod tonight. Give you a good shot. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Um, it's definitely going to be uh, a solid series, and I think what we're going to need to see from the Rays is the young guys step up, guys like Shane Baz, you know, I believe is a rookie pitcher, correct me if I'm wrong, and this is probably the biggest game of his young career so far coming up in this series. Uh, he'll be throwing game two, so it's going to have to be the young guys and a little mixture of the veterans as well. You know, they had a big acquisition, Nelson Cruz. He's been obviously the same power-hitting guy that we've seen in the past. So that's why I'm definitely giving the edge to the Rays. I said they could probably get it done in three. I think, Tom, your prediction in four is probably more likely. Nozick, give me a reason why the Red Sox can take this series. Well, i got to preface by saying in the most non-biased way I can, I think the Rays will take this in five. Um, but... The only way that the Sox will be able to take it is attack the mistakes the same way they did off Garrett Cole. Shane McClanahan, same situation. He will absolutely deal for six or seven innings, but there will be one inning where he misses his spots and gives some hittable pitches, and the Sox need to do that all series. Same thing, Baz coming in with a 2.03 ERA. I mean, that's that's filthy. And when you do get those mistakes, you need to capitalize on them. And the only other thing that can keep them afloat is the bullpen. If they defy everyone's expectations and push it out longer than the series realistically should be, then I can see it getting to five. But I do not see the Rays losing any of the three games this series at home. So I think that if they get to five, Sox win both in Fenway, they will close it out there. Right. Um, I agree with you now. Let's switch over to the other LDS matchup. we got the White Sox and the Astros. Uh, I think this series is going to be a little closer than people expect. This isn't the same Astros team that we've seen in the postseason before. And quite frankly, I didn't expect the White Sox to be as good as they were this season. Their pitching has been very good, um, led by like guys like Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito. Uh, I do like the White Sox in this matchup, although it's a five-game series. Um, so, you know, the first two are going to start in Houston. I think if Houston wants to take control of this series, they need to win these first two games. You, they can't afford a split heading back to Chicago. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> this um, this is going to be a great matchup. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I think I, I just like Houston. They've, they've been here, done that kind of team. They've got Granke, McCullers, Altuve, all these guys uh, who just battled in the postseason the past few years. You look at this White Sox team, and like they're just so inexperienced. A lot of good young bats like Jimenez and Abreu and all these guys, but like I don't know, Lance Lynn starting today's game. He's having a great season, uh, 2690 RA. But like you look at him in the, in the past, and it's like you just don't see 
the, like you just don't see the seasons that he's having this year. You know what I mean? So I need to see some consistency from them. If they can split in Houston, I think that'll be huge for them going back home and um, being able to, to manage that. But I'm just not sure. I, I, th- I really like Houston in this matchup. Colin, how much does uh, experience, playoff experience, that is, factor into a series like this? It's it's huge. It's monumental, especially you look at the White Sox by the numbers. They're a 93-win team that had a losing record on the road this year. If you don't have guys that have experience in going into hostile environments and trying to take a game that you don't have any business winning, then you're lost. If you don't have that mentality that you can go in, which mostly the veterans have, then you'll be done. Are you worried uh, with Zach Granke? Uh, he tends to fold in big games. Obviously, Yankees fans know that. They usually eat him up pretty well. And him himself has even admitted that he doesn't really want to play in a big city. So should the Astros be nervous about Zach Granke in the prime time? I actually don't know if he's going to start at all. Uh, I have the projected pitching matchups here, and they have McCullers going game one and Valdez going game two, and it's still TBD. They may turn that into a bullpen game and then go McCullers on short rest game four. Uh, I, I don't know if that coaching staff is I can't, in him. I can't imagine that happening. Um, it's, I guess if, if it's definitely possible, but especially if this, if this series goes to five games, I don't see any way how we don't see Zach Granke at all. I think he'll definitely be in that third game, but, I mean, that's a good point. He's not starting game one or two, so is that any cause for concern, Tom? Yeah, that is actually a good question. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I really really did not notice that he wasn't starting. Uh, they, don't have, they don't have him named yet. I thought he would be starting game two. I'm shocked they're taking Valdez over him. I mean, I don't know. That's, I don't know how Granke's not starting game, game two after McCullers. Yeah, so with that, um, Colin, I want to know, uh, what are your thoughts on this series? And, and let me hear a prediction from you. Well, today, they the first game in Houston, it's going to be whether or not Houston can get to Lance Lynn. That is a guy who was in the AL Cy Young talk for a while. Same with Carlos Rodon. It's going to be if they can hit the starters because that bullpen is nasty. I mean, they have weapons in that White Sox bullpen. So key to success for the Astros is getting to them early and – just on the contrary, the key to success for the White Sox is keeping their starters in the game, and the bullpen can do the dirty work in the late innings. Yeah, I mean, the Chicago White Sox definitely do have a lot of good pitching, uh, especially starters. I mean, like you said, Carlos Rodon, he has a no-hitter this year. Um, he's And like you said, Lance Lynn was even in the Cy Young talks for a long time. So, Tom, what are your thoughts on the series? I know you mentioned you kind of hinted at you're favoring a little of the Houston Astros, but let's hear a prediction from your end. Yeah, prediction. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Houston in four. Honestly, uh, I think they take care of business both games in Houston. I think uh, the White Sox will steal one at home, but I just don't know. I think this Houston team experience is big, and I know uh, Colin uh, mentioned it. Uh, this this White Sox team has something to prove to everyone. The Astros aren't proving anything here. They've been here, done that. The White Sox have played a a trash division the whole season. Uh, the Twins, Indians, uh, Tigers all underperformed. Uh, Royals. So this is going to be big. This is, a, this is a huge team that they have to face, and I, I'm going to say Astros in four. Yeah, it's, yeah I think it's going to come down. I think, it, I think it's honestly going to come down to a game five, which will be played in Houston. <clears throat> I do favor the White Sox a little, though, just because we did mention the pitching. The only concern is the lack of experience, but they do have a lot of good young bats. Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson. Uh, there's, a guy, there's a lot of guys that I can trust in that lineup, and I'm hoping that the playoff um, – hype and the playoff pressure doesn't get to them so heading over to the nl now 
Uh, last night we saw a great game, phenomenal game um, from a viewer standpoint between the Cardinals and the Dodgers. A lot closer and a lot lower scoring game than I would have thought. Um, but I mean, that was the pitcher's duel that we wanted. And Colin, we talked a lot about that on Tuesday. You got a guy in Adam uh, Wainwright versus Max Scherzer. I mean, they put on a show. I was baffled. I remember having this conversation Tuesday saying that I think it would be a little high scoring because the bullpens were going to get touched up. Both starting pitchers were taken out fairly early. They they put up some solid performances into the fifth inning and sixth for Wainwright's case, but the bullpens were what really surprised me. I was pleasantly surprised to watch those bullpens go to work. I mean, Joe Kelly came in, gave a few good high-leverage outs. Um, Alex Reyes came in for the Cardinals, and he looked like he was firing a little bit. So it was a great low-scoring baseball game and everything that October baseball is about. Yeah, well... The one thing is Reyes is the one that gave up the uh, dinger there at the end. I mean, for those of you who didn't catch it, Chris Taylor um, up to play with Bellinger. Uh, originally on first, stole second. I thought that, you know, the Dodgers only needed a base knock to get him in for the walk-off victory. Chris Taylor said, hell no, I'm going for the home run. They walk off 3-1. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a great game to watch last night. Um I'm just I'm disappointed in Reyes because he had a great season and and you come in there and he he throws a hundred plus miles an hour, and you come in with that at bat against Taylor and it's slider slider changeup I believe and then it was hanging slider and like why are you not trusting your fastball it's your best pitch, and if you're gonna throw a slider in that situation Taylor it's got to be in the dirt you can't give him anything that can hang because that kid is a clutch player and he came up huge from last night sent them to the NLDS, and um, I really think Dave Roberts deserves a ton of credit because. It takes a lot of guts to pull your ace that you just got at the deadline in that fifth inning. I believe it was first and second one out, and Scherzer was getting close at 100 pitch mark, and you know he wanted to stay in that game. Scherzer hates to be pulled out of games like any ace would be, and you take the ball from him and bring in Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly gets two huge outs, ends the inning. Scherzer's visibly upset in the in the dugout, but he know he know he definitely knows it's the right decision. Just doesn't want to come out of the game, and the Dodgers bullpen is just stacked. Trying to enable Jansen. Gratterall throwing 102. So I, I really liked how Dave Roberts handled that game, and I believe he's a huge reason why they won that game. But credit to St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, at the All-Star break, this team wasn't really a playoff team. They went on a huge run in the second half with that 17-game win streak, got into the wild card, and, and they gave the Dodgers arguably the best thing in the MLB, a run for their money. Yeah, well, I think it also kind of shows you how good Max Scherzer really is. He visibly did not have his stuff last night. Um, he was missing spots. He was walking guys, finished with, I believe he walked three batters, only four strikeouts, 94 pitches through four and a thirds inning. That's obviously not the Max Scherzer they were used to, but he still only gave up one run, kept his team in the game. And like you said, the bullpen was called on, and they really delivered. Um, I was really impressed with Gratterall, like you mentioned. Um, Kenley Jansen, obviously, doing what he does best, uh, strikes out the side, or, or gives up, sorry, th three strikeouts, gave up one hit. But just amazing. Really good job by the Dodgers' bullpen. Um, and to be honest, I'm a little disappointed in their hitting because if they want to win the series against the San Francisco Giants, they're going to have to score more than three runs. And those three runs better come a lot earlier than the ninth, Colin. Absolutely. Um, one thing looking back on it now that I'm a little disappointed in was the way that Yadier Molina played behind the plate. I mean, people don't run on Molina, and they ran free on him last night. And I also noticed in that ninth inning when Reyes gave up that home run that the catchers are the ones calling the pitch. Reyes didn't shake off at all. Molina was the one who gave him that bad sequence of calls, which gave up that home run. And 
for as good as Tommy Edmond played yesterday in the field, I thought Molina was just as bad the opposite way. That's really shocking, honestly, to see from Molina, a guy who's been there, done that. He's been so many games in his career, playoffs too. I I'm honestly shocked. You're right. That's a great point you brought up there, Colin. So heading into this next series, the Dodgers are going to have to take on a familiar opponent with the San Francisco Giants, as I mentioned earlier. And Tom, speaking to you before the podcast, I know that you're leaning a little more towards the Giants, but uh, give me a reason why the Dodgers can stick around. And, and to be honest, I think this one is ultimately heading to Game 5. Yeah, I think this is going to be an epic series. Both these teams have never met in the postseason, which is hard to imagine. But if you think about it, it makes sense when those Giants had those dynasties with Matt Keane, Tim Lincecum, and the Dodgers really weren't up there at that level. So, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be a great matchup. Um, I'm big on the Giants. I think this is a team of destiny this season. I think they're destined to win a World Series. Um, I think this is 1,000% going five games, just the way these two teams are matched up. Um, I'm going to slightly lean toward the Giants in five. But this Dodger team is, is very good. First, first game, we have Walker Bueller versus Logan Webb. Uh, Logan Webb's having a terrific season with a 3.03 ERA. But um, I, think, I think the Dodgers got to be confident with walk, sending Walker Bueller out there. This kid is a, is a gamer, especially in the postseason. And I think for the Dodgers to win this series, like you just said, they're definitely going to have to score runs, get on the Giants early because if you, if you keep it that one-run game or, or a tie game, the Giants' bats will come through. I've seen it all season. This team is very clutch. So, Colin, I see that um, we're not slated to see Kershaw uh, in this postseason, or in, at least in this first division matchup. You got a guy like Walker Bueller on the mound. Julio Urias is slotted for game two. Um, the Dodgers pitching is, is pretty good, and we knew that, but how about these Giants pitchers? This guy, Logan Webb, coming out of nowhere, Alex Wood, um, they're tossing the ball at a tremendous rate, and that's honestly why Webb is getting the ball game one over his teammate Kevin Gosman, who started the year so strong. What are your thoughts about the Dodgers? I mean, the Giants, that is. I think that this is honestly the best slate of pitching I've seen overall in a divisional matchup ever I mean you have Logan Webb going game one against Walker Bueller the the Giants are going to have to win with their starting arms just because you look at the projected pitchers for the first three games for the Dodgers you have Bueller Urias and Scherzer if they pitch him on shorter rest those are three guys who have 15 wins and a sub three ERA you're gonna have to keep pace with them and I think that with the confidence Logan Webb pitches with and Kevin Gosman, obviously, as you said, he started the year so hot. He can tap a different gear when he needs to. And then Alex Wood has been a quietly dominant pitcher for their staff, too. I think you're just going to have to keep pace with them pitching. Got to have your starters go more innings than theirs. And when it does come time to go to that bullpen, you just have to trust it because it is tough taking out guys like Webb and Gosman, who are great starters for a bat at some point. And one game separated these two in the in the regular season, and that one game separation determined a lot. The Dodgers had to play in that wild card playing game, and now the the Giants get home field advantage for the series. Tom, how important does that play in a in a you know division rival postseason se uh, series like this? I think that plays huge. I mean, we saw with the Yankees. I even said it. The Yankees needed to get the home field. They didn't get it, and and they lost the game strictly because of Fenway Park. I think. But uh, <clears throat> I think the it's huge, especially in San Francisco, because that park is big, and the triples alley out in right center, and, and the right field wall is very high, and they're going to be rocking because they haven't had this kind of team in in a few years, and they just their their fan base loves uh, postseason baseball. Also, the weather, 
it's consistently 50 to 60 degrees around there. LA is like 100 or 80 or whatever. So I, I think it's big for San Francisco. I think that's that's huge that they do have that home field. And I think they need to take the first two games in San Francisco if they want to win this series because once it comes back to LA, it gets tough. Right. So let me hear your predictions before we head on to our last NLDS series. I'm going to say Giants in five. I agree. Giants in five. Colin? Going Dodgers in four. Dodgers in four. Wow. All right. All right. My uh, Where that prediction is coming from, if you look at their their records, I mean, you're right. They're only separated by one game overall, but the Dodgers were 58-23 and 23 at home this year. I mean, that is just pure it's dominance impressive. at home. If they can split the first two in San Fran, I think they can easily take three and four at home. Hmm. You bring up a good point there, that. but... Obviously, both of these teams had good records, not only at home, but also on the road as well. And, um, I mean, this is this is a, a series that baseball needs, honestly. Yeah, the TV ratings are going to be incredible. Heading over to that last NLDS game. If you guys liked pitching in the earlier matchups, wow, this Brewers team, I mean, we said it earlier. Uh, I believe it was our second podcast, Tom. Um and we were talking about the, the pitching that this Brewers team has. It's unbelievable. you got a guy, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta, all sub-3 ERA. And in the postseason, we know pitching is what wins games. Colin, how important is that going to be for the Brewers in a matchup against the Braves, who have a pretty threatening lineup? It's going to be huge. And the matchup that I look at, the biggest is Game 2, when the, uh, the Braves are sending out Max Freed and... Brandon Woodruff has a losing record this year because the Brewers have not scored runs when he's been pitching. If you have a 2-5 ERA, you should not be 9-10. It's the Jacob deGrom treatment. I was going to say the same thing. I, if, any, if anyone knows it best, it's me as a Mets fan. Jacob deGrom gets no run support. But you make a good point, right? This Brewers team is going to have to put up runs uh, for their pitchers who are going to go out there and put on a, a hell of a performance. Yeah, um, I'm pretty confident in Milwaukee. Um, their pitching is incredible. Burns, Woodruff, and, and Peralta are really good, all sub-three ERAs. Um, the Braves lineup, though, has been pretty hot. I mean, the whole second half, ever since they made those acquisitions um, w- with Duvall, um, they've just been raking. And uh, I think it's going to be a really tough series, though, for Atlanta uh, just to hit this pitching. Um, first matchup, we got Morton versus Corbin Burns at um, Milwaukee. Um I think I got to go Milwaukee for that one, right? I mean, Burns has been – Burns is arguably Cy Young. Him or Scherzer, I think it's basically between. So I, th- I think Milwaukee gets it done at home. I think maybe Atlanta can steal one at home, but I just – I don't see how Atlanta really competes in this series just strictly because of Milwaukee's pitching. Uh, yeah, Colin, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I was just looking at the way the numbers break down, and – it is interesting what you love to see when one team is dominant throwing the ball and the other is dominant hitting the ball. Head-to-head, Atlanta has a better team average. They scored more runs, more hits, home runs, slugging, everything across the board. In Milwaukee, their strikeouts had more pitchers, better opponent average against, better whip. It is just pure dominant pitching against pure dominant hitting, and I think that is what is going to be electric to watch. So who do you give the edge to in this series, Colin? I give the edge to the Brewers just because – Two games at home to open the series. Home field advantage is obviously huge, but you're right. When it comes to October, it's all about the pitching, um, and they clearly have one of the best rotations and best bullpens in the major leagues. Yeah, I mean, I'll go as far to say that I think the Brewers are a World Series team. Um, I definitely think that they can make it there, and I think the NL is a little stronger than the AL is this year. They'll probably get if, – if they somehow can get past the winner of the – 
the Dodgers and the Giants, I think it's their World Series to lose because in that AL, they're likely to see a team like the Astros or the Tampa Bay Rays, and I think that they can dominate them easily. Tom, what are your thoughts about the Brewers in this series? Yeah, I like the Brewers. I think it honestly could be a sweep. Um, their pitching is really, really good, and I think that's going to carry them. I can definitely see them uh, making a World Series run this season. Uh, ever since the acquisition of Willie Adamas midseason, their bats have honestly been been awoken. They're not known as a great hitting team, but, I mean, they can be clutch. And uh, as you said, they, those two home playoff games uh, inside that dome, I think they're going to be rocking. I, I really like Milwaukee. I'm going to say uh, Milwaukee in three. Wow. Okay. Um, I could sign up for that, <laughs> especially as a Mets fan. Uh, I would not like to see the Braves make any sort of noise in the postseason. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking them in four. All right, Milwaukee in three, Milwaukee in four. I'll ride that with you guys. I'll go Milwaukee in three. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's going to be a pretty exciting weekend for sports. By the time we check in again, some of these series will be wrapped up, um, and we're going to have to try to see if our predictions were right or, you know, likely there will be some surprises. What I want to do before we close out the show today is talk a little football. We have a really good Thursday night matchup, division rivalry. We got the Los Angeles Rams taking on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle with the 12th man behind them. Uh, I think this is going to be a great game to watch. This is must-watch television. You got the the Los Angeles Rams who are you know red hot. They did lose last week, but this team looks so different with Matt Stafford. The defense puts on a show. Obviously, they have the last you know three years, and then they're playing the Seahawks, who have been a little bit of a roller coaster ride this season. And you know what? Vegas has this as a very close game. They have the Rams winning uh, by about three. So, Colin, what are your thoughts on this Thursday night matchup? I think it's the Seahawks game to lose, and that may sound a little weird to you but playing at home in front of the 12th man and there's just something about home underdogs that you, you don't bet against home underdogs and the rams may be three points better than them but i don't think they will be tonight i think seahawks 30 24 even with 30 24 he's gonna score too wow i like seattle i do uh, I, I agree i'm gonna have to disagree with you guys they have no chris carson tonight uh, he's out with a neck injury I just think that this Seattle defense is a lot worse than people think. Um, they've given up 30 points a few times this season, and against an offense like the Rams, that's completely unacceptable. They're they're probably going to put up 40 on them tonight. Oh, you th- oh, think the Rams are putting up 40 tonight? I- I'll go as far wow. as to say Rams are putting up 40. Look for Lockett right. and Swain to have big nights for the Seahawks, though, because I think DK will do nothing against yeah, Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I like Seattle in this matchup too, just just strictly because of the home field. Uh, they have a great uh, atmosphere there in Seattle. The Rams are a great team. I don't know. They had a letdown last week at home against uh, Kyler and the Cardinals. They could be due for a bounce back, but I don't know. I, I, I'd rather trust Russell Wilson right now than Matthew Stafford. But um, that Rams defense is for sure legit. As you mentioned, Ramsey on Metcalf, I think for sure he'll lock him down. But uh, Lockett, Swain, um, who's going to be starting at running back? Alex, uh, Alex, Alex Collins? Alex Collins. Okay, yeah, that's going to be interesting. They're going to have to feed him, get the run game going, but I- I'm going to take Russ tonight. I don't really have a score prediction, but maybe I'll go 31-28. All right, so yeah, you have it as a close game. Yeah, I think it will be a close game. I just think the Seattle Seahawks are way too inconsistent this season for me to be taking them in a game against uh, the potential Super Bowl team. Uh, obviously, last week wasn't the week that they were hoping for. They lost at home to the Cardinals. Although, let's make a little exception here because Kyler Murray is playing out of his mind, and this Arizona Cardinals team is red hot. 
They're probably number one in my power rankings. Um, they're the team to beat right now, but don't discredit the Rams because they're a very good team as well. Their offense clicks week in and week out, and obviously I think their defense is going to need a game plan for Russell Wilson, but, I mean, the Seahawks' defense has been atrocious. I can't hammer this enough. I, as a Jets fan, I've seen Jamal Williams drop, um, Jamal Adams, that is, drop back in coverage before. And last night or last week, we saw him get exposed by Debo Samuel, and he's turning around, standing there as the play is going on, as Samuel runs down the field for a long touchdown. So I can't take the Seahawks in a game against the Rams, even at home. It's fair. I mean, yeah, this is a stacked division, if we're, if we're being honest here. I mean, Seahawks, Cardinals, Rams, it's great teams. Um, the Cardinals last week, yeah, they beat the Rams. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's, you can't say it's a bad loss. Kyler is probably the front runner now for MVP. So, I mean, it's definitely, I think it's definitely going to be a close game. I, I could see it going either way, but if I had to choose, I, I'm, tonight I'm just going to say Seattle, just because they're home. Yeah, you guys gave a score prediction. I'm going to go 38-28 Rams. I know I said they're putting up 40, but obviously that's a little bit of a stretch. I'll give them 38, 38 right below 40. Lot. All right, any closing thoughts? I'm, I'm excited for this week of football, but more excited for postseason baseball. I think it'll be a great weekend of games. Um, next time that Tom and Bob talk to you, we will have the ALCS and NLCS matchups set up. So uh, we'll see how this is looking in a week. Yeah, Colin, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's always a pleasure. And uh, even though you're a Boston fan, we won't hold that against you. Appreciate that. All right. That's been another episode of the Call It a Comeback podcast. I'm Bobby McInnes alongside Tom Splone and our special guest, Colin Nozick. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.